Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. Thanks so much for joining us. We are going to have a lot of links down below in the show notes. Make sure you check those out. Check out our social media and our Gumroad store as well if that interests you. We have a very big interview today, so we're not going to spend a lot of time up front chit-chatting like we normally do. (laughs) But we had Moselle Campbell, who's a Washington homeschooler mom, talking about just a a huge breadth of of things that, that are in her homeschool world, like from a child on the spectrum to her having ADHD to going into parent partnership, coming out, going back, running start, three children, all doing different curriculums, yeah. running a dance studio. She, she's an incredible mom that has a very full life and, a, and an amazing homeschool, and I think it's very inspirational. Yeah, I think, I think you know, um, Moselle was a, just a great interview, and mm-hmm. I loved her talking about the transition oh, to, yeah. to from elementary to middle school. You know, that's a bit above our level, so we don't you know, we're not at that stage yet. And just the things that she was thinking about um, and how that worked, they have and a, how she planned, how she like her methodology and thinking of like, yeah, how do I go forward and how do I build a, a homeschool environment that is going to, to meet the needs of my child, um, specifically her older son who wants to get into software uh, development, game development, things of that nature. He's going to be doing running start. And how does she, how does she think about getting how do ready for that? you prepare your yeah. child for it? Because I know a lot of us have younger kids and we're early learners, um, but, you know, we're starting, some of us have, you know, the eight or nine-year-old and you're mm-hmm. going to be getting into this. And she was a great person to listen to, to maybe set your mind right on these type of things. Yeah, I, I thought it was really great and just gave me a lot of food for thought. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was a great interview. So yeah, as Matt said, uh, we don't want to take up any more time uh, chit-chatting. Let's just get right to the interview with uh, Moselle Campbell. Hi, Moselle. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm happy to be here. So um, if you could give us and our listeners some background on you and your family and, and why you decided to homeschool. Okay. Um, so I have three children. My oldest is 13. Um, my middle one is 11. And then my youngest is eight. Um, we have actually been homeschooling since my oldest was in kindergarten. So we have been homeschooling pretty much the entire time. There's been some changes in our homeschooling over the years, Um, but we started to homeschool because my my oldest was not doing well in a classroom setting. He did a parent partnership um, and a parent partnership program. I don't know um, if all of our listeners know that, but in a parent partnership is a program in Washington State that's run by the public school where you can go in and take a couple classes a week. Sometimes it's virtual. Sometimes it's in person. and then you do the rest of it at home. So you do still get to do some homeschooling, but it's in conjunction with the public school district. Yeah, we do. We do. A, we do a parent partnership here, and it's for for our our child, our our six year old right now. Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah. I just didn't know if like all of your listeners are going to know what that is, so I just wanted yeah, we, to kind of. Yeah, we we actually just did a whole uh, two podcasts on it. Right. Uh, Perfect. Everybody's everybody's interested. Everybody's up for Go it, back yeah. to that one. We'll link it in the show notes. But yeah. um, so you started at the parent partnership, and and how did that go? So at the time, um, he was he was six. Um, we had started kindergarten the year before. We had tried to start kindergarten the year before for homeschool. It was an absolute failure. Um, but we went to the parent partnership in when he was six and, um, I had a newborn at the time and a preschooler Hmm. and it was a little bit stressful. Uh, the parent partnership required a lot of hours. Um, we had two hours a month that we had to volunteer. Um, and then you had your monthly progress reports that you had to do. So you were going to the school, um, every month and giving them a report on what your kids were doing at home. Well, with the toddler and the preschooler and my son, who at the time we didn't know was on the autism spectrum, 
Mm -hmm. Um, There was a lot of challenges and a lot of needs that he had that just weren't being met through the parent partnership. And the kicker came when towards the end of the first semester, um, I had fallen asleep because I had a newborn (laughs) and I had fallen asleep while he was in class and they called me because we were allowed to leave campus at this parent partnership. Um, They called me and I didn't answer and they'd called me several times and I got to the school to pick them up. They said, he has been hiding under a table for the past hour. And at the time we didn't know it was because he was on the autism spectrum and he had gotten overstimulated. He presents um, to most people as a neurotypical child. So some of these things were just not noticed because he presents in a lot of ways as a neurotypical child. He is um, extremely intelligent. Um, He is fairly affectionate. He seems neurotypical to many people. And so we didn't know this. And so then when they'd called or when they had called me and then they had told me that he had been hiding under the desk that whole time, I was I was embarrassed because as a mom, you know, to hear that your kid is going against the social norm and not cooperating is a little bit embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if y'all have experienced that where you're being told like, oh, your kid's doing this. And you're like, oh my gosh, like how, how is this possible? Like I didn't raise him like this. Like he's supposed to be respectful and he's, you know, all these different things. And so at the, I was like, okay, well, this is obviously not a good fit for him. So we went ahead and pulled him. And since then, so that was like only the first semester. And since then, we've been homeschooling full time. So it kind of started with that. And then it just snowballed. <laughs> <laughs> did Did you ever think about homeschooling? And, you know, before that moment, was that ever, you know, even an idea for you? Or was that something you just had to like scramble together and put the, you know, homeschooling curriculum together? Well, you know, I had actually always thought that I was going to homeschool. I, I went to, I actually went to college for education. Um, and I didn't finish, um, my, my senior year, I got pregnant and, you know, decided that that was more important than finishing my degree. Um, and so I had, I had, I had a background already and I was like, well, I think I'm going to just going to homeschool anyway, because my education degree wasn't giving me what I thought it was going to give me. Um, I was learning how to manage classrooms. I wasn't learning how to teach any particular thing, I was learning how to manage classrooms. I think that that was like, okay, well, I'm not finishing, but that's kind of okay because I think this is the route I'm going to go. And so we chose the parent partnership because I was going to homeschool. At the time, I didn't realize the difference between um, parent partnerships and like, you know, part-time public school essentially and homeschooling. I didn't quite realize that difference. Um, and so I thought I was homeschooling. Like I was just like, oh yeah, we're homeschooling, but we're going to Port Gardner for a couple classes a week. So it, it started there. I think it was set in stone there, but it wasn't like it, I'd never thought of it before. My boss back in Missouri, when we lived there, she had homeschooled. Um, and I had worked with some of the students in the youth group at the church where my husband and I worked. And I was actually homeschooling a child in Missouri, um, a teenager who just wasn't wasn't doing well in the public school system. So it's not like I didn't have kind of an idea of what I was doing, but that was like the clincher for me. Um, I will say, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but I will say that now he is back in a parent partnership. So it's not like we were just like, no, this is never going to work. It was like, this is not working for us right now. And that kind of led us to fully homeschool for a very long time. Yeah, I think it's interesting that we have these parent partnerships here. And, you know, some families use them for two classes and some families use them for all the classes. And, you know, we really look at them very much as enrichment. Our parent partnership is not does not ask very much of us, thankfully. So it doesn't really get in the way of all of our main home education. But I can see how, you know, it. It, it's it sounds great, right? You take them for a few classes and and you get they get all that social time and stuff. But it must have been hard when it didn't work out the way that you had planned and you had to to pivot. What was that? What was that pivot transition like? You know, were you oh I already had all my curriculum, so I'm good to go? Or was that was that tough for him to make that switch? I don't know that it was really tough. It was it was honestly a relief a little bit because. I am not a super organized person and I kind of like, we do kind of a mixture of like, 
uh, what I call relaxed homeschooling, where it's not really unschooling, like we have curriculum and things like that. Um, so even then, it was like having to be accountable to someone else was really, really hard for me to begin with. I was never really into that. I didn't like that. And so we were there because I was like, oh, well, he needs to have something. We get this idea in our heads as homeschoolers that our kids have to have something in a classroom setting, you know? <laughs> and, um, you know, it was really, I don't think it was difficult. It was definitely a relief. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I was, I was sad because I felt like I failed in some way. I felt like I was failing him or, you know, and that I thought that the school was looking at me poorly because my son had this behavior. And so I had that kind of stuff happening where it was all about my own inadequacy. And it wasn't really like, he didn't really know the difference. He's like, all right. He's like, are we going to school? It's like, no. He's like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> it really wasn't a big deal for him. So then you brought him home and mm -hmm. I'm guessing that you uh, sought diagnosis for and, and understood then that he was on the autistic spectrum. So how did you, what did you do at that point? How did you decide to shift how you were homeschooling or the strategies that you were or, using to better like, support him? Or like what type of self-education you needed to adapt to? Was there something different than like just doing your normal homeschooling curriculum? We're, we're not very familiar if there is something different. So maybe you could help help us understand. You know, the autism is a spectrum. Autism is a spectrum. And so it has, you know, different kids have different needs. Um, he doesn't need a lot of support in his schooling. He is a kid where largely I can say, we're going to do this or I need you to go do this. And he's going to do it. His is more, his autism is a lot more sensory and social than it is being able to execute. So he doesn't have the, um, I'm trying to remember the term for it. I cannot remember the, the, cannot remember the term for, for the life of me right now. Um, but he doesn't struggle with the ability to do things on his own. So because autism is, a, like I said, because it's a spectrum and not a single diagnosis, like you're going to have kids who are on the autism spectrum who are nonverbal. You're going to be have kids who melt down very frequently. What, which that's what that was. That was a meltdown. But I actually didn't know he was autistic for a couple of years after that. Like we didn't have a diagnosis um, until he was almost 10. And so it wasn't something we knew, but it's like, you know, I just didn't want him to be in that environment that was obviously traumatic for him. So I hope that makes sense. It's like, I'm like, now I know that he's autistic. Now I know why this happened. But it wasn't something that we knew then. No, no. Th thanks for that explanation. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, did you, when you went into the homeschooling with him, you know, obviously you started with the parent partnership. Now you're full time at home. You know, did you have a certain type of philosophy or homeschooling idea? You said you kind of, he's very much a self-starter, can kind of almost unschooly himself. Mm -hmm. Did you have a philosophy that you kind of like adapted to? Uh. I have several that failed. Um, well, so, I, think I think it's a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of homeschoolers. Um, I am very much like, oh, you did this and it was wonderful. So it's got to work for us too. And so I'll go buy all the curriculum. Like I cannot tell you the amount of curriculum I've been, amount of curriculum that I've been through. We started off, I wanted to do classical education. I read The Well-Trained Mind by Susan Wise Bauer. Mm, great book. And I read, it's a great book. It's actually a great book and I love it and I love some of the philosophies in it. I don't think it's necessarily realistic or applicable for all families. We started out with classical education and so I bought, you know, first language lessons for the well-trained mind. I bought writing with ease and we supplemented with Shirley Grammer and we did um, a completely different math than was recommended. So I was already kind of piecemealing, figuring out like what I thought was going to work. And um, it turns out that as much as I admire her philosophy, very little of it was easily applied to our own lives. When you look at who she is and how she's raised her household, I just, we have a lot of different stuff going on. I teach dance at the time I was teaching gymnastics. So mm -hmm. I teach dance and gymnastics. So I'm gone most evenings. I don't, this is going to be a horrible homeschool confession. I don't like to read to my kids. 
Um, <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> if they're if they're short books, it's fine. But when a kid brings you like a fifty five page nonfiction book about Puerto Rico and wants you to read it to them, like it is probably one of the things that I cannot stand the absolute most. And so we were doing her list where we were going to the library and we were getting, um, you know, the biography and we were getting the science book and we were getting the tech book or practical book. And we were doing that whole library list and we were getting all these books every week. And the expectation in the classical education genre is that you're going back to the library every single week and replenishing all of those books and reading them all with your kids every single week. And so the standards that were set in the classical education philosophy were not stuff that I felt like I could do myself. Um, and I felt a lot of guilt about that. And so we started to shift a little bit. Um, I still use some of the things like writing with ease and writing with skill are honestly my favorite curriculums ever for writing. I can go more into that later when we talk about my other kids and kind of how they've adapted with that. But like, so I would consider myself a relaxed, eclectic, classical homeschooler, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, I think it does. <laughs> so it does. And, you know, the funny thing is a lot of people are these kind of amalgam- um, amalgamations of different mm-hmm. styles and ideas. Right, because nobody says we have to be one exact well, thing. And every single kid is a little bit different. And sometimes you have to adapt like like what you've been, you've done. What, what you've said is that you've had to adapt to what fits you and fits your kids. And I, I, admit, I admit with you, I, I don't like reading long books. I'm actually a terrible reader. Um, of long form out loud. I read, <laughs> I, I read, you know, 50, 60 books a year to myself and I love reading. Oh yeah. I just don't like reading out loud. And Ariel's really, Ariel's really good at it. So, <laughs> I, I mean, so you get book duty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do. You know, you're reading Tum Tum and Nutmeg and you would think that's an easy book to read. I look at it and I go, oh my God, that's the horror. Like, I don't it's know if I can. You have to do the voices. I know, but for me, it's, so I agree with you. I understand where you're coming from. That Look, it it's 500 little... pages of the adventures of two mice in tweed <laughs> coat and a dress. I mean, come on. Yeah. And I, I would like to be a better reader for my kids. I really would. I mean, I'm, I am, I love to read. Um, I'm not quite at the 50, 60 book a year thing. Um, I used to be, but mostly because I do work outside the home as well. Yeah. And, you know, as a photographer and as an acrobatics coach, um, not gymnastics anymore, just mostly acrobatics at the dance studio. And so, you know, I'm working a lot outside the home, so I can't quite be that reader that I used to be. But it's mostly like the type of books they are bringing me. My kids are sponges. And so when my daughter brought me a book about Puerto Rico, when we were at the library, I was like, oh, sure, we can check it out. But then she really wanted me to read every single word. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like a textbook, a poorly written textbook, because I don't know if you remember doing those like country reports mm-hmm. when you were in school and you had to go check out these books from the library and you had to figure out the state, the the country flower and their exports. Yeah. And also that was the book that she was bringing me. She was bringing me these books about Stuff I did not care to learn about. I was like, I'm done with school. I don't need to do this. <laughs> and it was just, that was the hardest part for me um, is the reading that was held as a standard in the classical education thing. Like my kids read a lot of books. I'm not saying my kids don't read. Um, so I hope you don't take that that way. My kids are actually excellent readers and all three above grade level. Um, but they read themselves. <laughs> and I just don't like to do it. <laughs> you know, I know it sounds horrible. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm sitting here going like, this makes me sound like the worst homeschool mom ever being like, I don't like to read to my kids, but no, no, it's no, not no. that. No listen, <laughs> no, listen, we're not doing the YouTube moms with the perfect lighting. This is real in the dirt homeschooling right Well, here. the other thing is that there's there's a mom or dad out there listening to this who also going, hates yes. to read to their kids and right. think they're a bad homeschooler. <laughs> so I think it's good to hear this, right? Mm-hmm. That as much as we all do love books, not everybody loves reading them aloud. I hate crafts. I'm going to say it. <laughs> I do not do art. And thank God for math you because otherwise our kids would not do art because I really, really hate it. I hate getting messy yeah. and I, I just hate that whole thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I have a very engineering mind and I just don't like non-prescriptive yeah. things. So I think it's good. I think it's good, good to say good. like, okay. I, just don't, I don't like that. So don't be self-conscious. So let's talk about okay. your other kids. You have the two others um, who came up behind your, your son. Yes. Um, you know, what have you done differently with them? Have you made different choices? What is it like um, homeschooling three children? You know? First, um, I have really found the value in tailoring each child's education to themselves. 
Um, so for instance, all three of my kids use different math curriculum. All three of them do, which seems oh. absurd, right? Like you'd think you'd just find something that works and stick, stick with it. But the problem is they all have different learning styles. And so if I was to use the same math curriculum with all three of them, it would not work because they, my oldest one has tried the math curriculum that the younger two are using and it didn't work for him. What we have found now, we're, we're actually using like ThinkWell math for him. And it is phenomenal. It starts in, I think, sixth grade for ThinkWell. And it just works perfectly for him. The video lectures, the amount of practice they get, the fact that they, um, you know, the fact that they have multiple quizzes before you actually take the test and different things like that. Like that's been really good for him. He likes, likes someone on stage, on, on stage, on screen, explaining it to him. And he likes to be able to rewatch that video as many times as he needs to get that stuff. My middle son, he uses Alex, uh, which is a computer-based program that it's actually one of my favorite programs. And I think it's the coolest, coolest thing. Um, so they take a test and they are given like a series of questions. Like if you're like, okay, we're doing third grade math and we're in this state or whatever. Um, you go in and you take a test and it figures out how much you already know. And then it starts you from that point and then uses an algorithm to determine what you need to learn next based on what you already know, not what would come next sequentially in a textbook. And mm -hmm. so we find it to be really good. And for him, they've got a lot of visual reinforcement. Um, you know, he fills up a pie chart for different topics and things like that. And so it's a lot of visual reinforcement and a lot of like computerized, like, good job, Evan, kind of thing. And he loves that. Like, he absolutely loves that visual reinforcement. And for him, it's been very, very good because it's not teaching him what necessarily would come next. It's what, what are you ready to learn based on what you already know? And using that algorithm to tailor his math program to him. And so that's been really successful for him. Well, my youngest, she likes workbooks. So we're just using Horizon Workbooks and she's just going through and doing the problems, you know, one after another. Hmm. And it's been really like, it's just been really interesting to see their different learning styles. I started Sean on Horizons Math and it was a battle. It was pulling teeth every single time we tried to get him to do it. So we let it go. And then, um, you know, he tried later on, he tried Alex and Alex was a constant battle as well. Um, you know, we've tried Beast Academy. We've tried all these different things. And we have tried all these programs. And it's like, when you finally find the one that works for your kid, it's great. Math time, there's no more tears. There's no more fighting. There's no more, um, you know, being as my kids are a little older, there's no more dishonesty about whether they actually did it or not. Because mm -hmm. um, I can't sit there and stand over their shoulder. Like, I have three. <laughs> you know, you can't stand over their shoulder. I think what's great about it, though, too, is that, you know, you were able to change it up and find the right thing, right? If our kids were just in a classroom at school, hey, the whole school is doing this math curriculum and mm -hmm. there's no options. That happened at the parent partnership. Um, so my kids are, I'm sorry, my oldest is back in a parent partnership um, for a couple classes just because I wanted him to actually socialize with people that were not on the computer. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't, he doesn't like to socialize. So I had to force him into it kind of a little bit because he doesn't like to go to the group events and things like that, that my other kids like to go to. So anyway, that being said, um, they were all doing this one curriculum for math and it just was so frustrating for him. So we were able to we were able to ask for like permission to do our own thing. And as long as it met the same standards, they were okay with it. But that's the thing is like, that's what was frustrating me about the parent partnership or what does frustrate me is that I shouldn't have to ask permission as a homeschooler to teach my son the way he learns best. Yeah. It's really hard. All the parent partnerships are so different in yes. what they allow and they're, 
and how rigid they are. And I think that can make it a little bit challenging. You know, you, you know, we, we've talked about our experience so far, we're only in our first year of our parent partnership, but it's been very flexible and very loose, um, and, and not constrictive. And then others are, it's, it's hard to get a gauge of it because they're, mm-hmm. they just all operate a little bit differently. And they do. And I find that, I find that strange too. You'd think that with the rules and regulations in Washington, that they would have, <laughs> they would have a little bit more uniformity, but nope, not so much. They're all cutting their own path, which I guess in some ways it's hard because you don't know what to predict. In other ways, I guess that's good because you have an option to say, you know what, I'm just going to do a waiver out of district and I'm going to go someplace else and, and, you know, where maybe it fits a little bit better. And we've known other parents right. that have been like, ah, we're out of the school where, and we're going to Edmonds Heights or we're going to Homelink or, you know, because it fits yeah. better. So I think that that, you know, it's unfortunate sometimes um, that they're different, but maybe it's a blessing in disguise. And I will say that going back to the parent partnership after so many years of not being in there, they are more flexible with me now, but I think that's because I have so many years of homeschooling under my belt. Okay. Um, yeah. I can say, we don't want to use this curriculum. And they're like, okay, well, we're just going to list it that you're using it, but you use your own thing and just kind of report back just what they're learning. And so <laughs> they're probably not supposed to do that. So I don't know if we should. <laughs> No, I'm just joking. I think they're probably fine with it. But, you know, they are more flexible. But again, that's because I think that I have so much homeschooling experience under my belt. They, you know, my kids are testing at or above grade grade level in every single subject. So when they see that and we send in, you know, from the yearly assessment stuff, when we sent in those results, when we were going back to the parent partnership, when we sent in the previous year's results for that, and they were like, okay, well, your son's, you know, this was last year. So um, your son's in sixth grade and he's reading at a 12th grade level and, you know, they're seeing what we're doing is working. So I feel like they're a little bit more willing to be flexible with us because of that. So, you know, you, you started homeschooling back when your, your son was first grade mm-hmm. and, you know, you've homeschooled up through, uh, we have very young children. Our daughter is just, uh, in kinder at this point. She's a late kindergartner, but she's in kinder. Um, how was that transition to middle school? I mean, this is where I, I feel like this is where anxiety is like the yes. rubber meets the road, right? It's one thing to homeschool elementary school. I think that uh-huh. most parents feel pretty comfortable about as far as academics, like, yeah, I got elementary school. But the moment you get into like middle school, that's where it's like, ooh, stuff gets harder. And you <laughs> know, I'm really curious about how that transition went for, for you and your family. Was it quite different or, you know, more of the same, just kind of slowly ratchets. Is it the frog boiling in water or (laughs) (laughs) a little bit, a little bit. So I think when we started to get through to middle school age, one of my biggest things was like, okay, well, what are our plans for the next six years? Essentially? Like I would be like, do we want him to go to public high school? Does he want to go to public high school? Um, Because we've never been anti-public school. I know that there are a lot of homeschool families that are just very, like, public school is the devil. Like, we're not going anywhere near it. We're not going to touch it with a 10-foot pole. But we're like, we are going to homeschool as long as it's the right solution for all of our family. Hmm. And that means my kids, too. So our big thing was, like, what what are our next six years look like? And it turns out that he wants to go to Running Start. Um, when he's 15 and he would like to study computer coding um, and uh, website design. So he would like to do that and running start and get his certificate so that he can um, either start work straight out of high school or do two years of college and be done. Um, And so for us, we were like, okay, so we basically have to get him ready for college by the time he's 15 years old. And so for us, I was like, okay, now we need to start looking for gaps in his education. I realized I never taught my child to take notes in any kind of a lecture situation. Hmm. I had realized, um, yes, he can write, but does he um, does he know how to cite sources more than just like, because I always say like cite your sources, but like, does he know how to do certain um, formats? of citing sources. Does he know how to do a lot of like technical stuff I think is what got me. Um, so we had to really like look at curriculums and look at things or even just practice things that were going to help him, um, be able to function in a college classroom essentially. So, I mean, obviously he's still only in eighth grade, so we're not like 
we're still not super pushing all that stuff like we are, but I'm like, he's got two years essentially in high school. He's got ninth grade and 10th grade. So the next two school years to be ready for a college classroom. Okay. And so for us, that transition to middle school is like, what does our, what do our next six years look like? And are we doing what we need to do to make sure that he's ready for those goals for the next six years? And so a lot of that was just talking to him, you know, being like, what do you want to do? Um, and he, we've always known that he's wanted to do something with like video games and tech and things like that. But that's really been his special interest. I had mentioned he's on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, video games, um, video game design, uh, video game music, like the 8-bit type music. That's yeah. kind of been his special interest for a very, very long time. So we knew that that was going to be something that he went for. But when he was like, I want to go, like, he goes, I know that you can do high school while you're, or college while you're in high school. And I would like to do that. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, (laughs) So I had to kind of change gears in that way. But the transition to middle school was, I think, the hardest um, for us, not in the curriculum choice, because a lot of that stayed the same. Um, You know, we're still using books like Writing with Skill. We're still using um, his same math curriculum that he adopted a couple of years ago that really stuck with him. Um, We are still you know, keeping reading logs. We are still using the Mensa book lists to track their, um, so that he's reading a good variety of books and not just whatever he picks out at the library um, or on Amazon because, you know, we live in the Seattle area and everything yeah, yeah, comes exactly. here the next day. <laughs> um, same, same day, same day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for us, like, it's just been like, what are we preparing him for? Now, if he wanted to go into a trade, the preparation would probably look very different. Hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that he has to choose his entire life path right now. What I'm saying is that we have to look at our kids' goals when they start to get to that middle school age and figure out how that's going to affect the way we homeschool and the way we, not just necessarily homeschool, but the way we educate him in the next six years. No, I think that's a great philosophy yeah. because, you know, when, when the kids are in the public schools, there is a path already there set. They're cranking away, going along the path. And us as homeschoolers, we have to fill in that gap and create those bridges for them. And I love this idea of looking forward and then working backwards. Um, are you using mainly whatever requirements, you know, so like, so let's just throw out a school like, you know, Everett Community College that's right down the road from a lot of people in, in our county. Um, running start, doing that, you know, did you look at what the requirements were for that running start program and then work backwards? Was that exactly how you did it or was it some other process? Um, so that's actually one of the reasons why we went back to the parent partnership. Okay. Um, because to, and you can do it other ways too. Like you can go to your high school and just enroll in your high school for the purpose of going to running start. Like you don't have to do it the way we did. But because you have to be enrolled in some form in a public school to go to Running Start, at least in Washington State, we were able to, we were like, well, we'll go to Port Gardner. He can take a couple classes there. Um, and that's going to give us that foot in the door. And they will make sure that when when we have our SLP meetings, um, we do those a couple times a year. We do it at the beginning. We do it in between the semesters. And then we do it um, towards the end of the year for prepping for the following year. So when we have our SLP meetings, um, we can say he wants to do running start and they're going to say, okay, this is what we need to do for that. This is how we need to make sure these are the grades that he needs to maintain in order to be eligible for running start. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. It's nice to have that helping hand yeah, and that is. guidance. It is. And if it was a different situation, I don't know that we would have gone back to the parent partnership. I am a person who likes the path of least, least resistance. and you know while you will have a lot of homeschool parents saying you know you don't have to enroll in this kind of thing to do this like you still have to work with the school and because like I said we're not anti-public school and we actually believe that I think public schools actually do a lot of good because it's a lot of people who are not financially, physically, mentally capable of homeschooling. There's a lot of kids that are better off at school, you know, because they live in disadvantaged households or things like that, um, that get their food at school. They get, you know, care, they get clothing donated to them from their schools, different things like that. So I think the public schools have a really important place in society. So I'm just going off there really quick. And because of that, 
I was like, let's go through this place that we already know, that we already have somewhat of a, not relationship, but we have some, we've had interaction with these people in the past and they, you know, it wasn't their fault that my son hid under a table when he was six. Like that wasn't their fault. So it's one of those things I'm like, we already have an established, you know, thing here. This is in our district. We don't have to variance in. We don't have to do anything strange to make this happen. And this will help us make sure that he's ready. So he's already taken and passed his Washington state history. Whereas a high schooler, a public high schooler in Washington state, homeschoolers don't have to do it. But as a public high school in Washington state, it's a course that they need to have. And so little things like that have been really, I think, helpful in his trajectory. That's, that's, that's great. That's great. Um, Maybe we'll, we'll step back a little bit and ask yeah, you, sorry. you know, no, that's no, fine. Um, like what is a typical day? You know, you're talking about your son going off to running start. You have the two other kids. What does a mm-hmm. day look like in your homeschool environment? Okay. So it depends on who's doing what that day. Um, my daughter is a competitive dancer. My, so she's my youngest and she's a competitive dancer. And so it depends on if we have dance stuff going on that day or how much dance stuff we have going on that day, I should say, because there's always dance stuff going on, but just depends on how much. So for like a Monday, for example, we get up, uh, we do breakfast. My kids get like some of their computer work done. They have a couple apps that they use and I'm just like, hey, let's get our computer work done and out of the way. That way, if we have any errands to run or things to do, like if they're taking a book with them, it's a lot easier than trying to haul a computer around yeah. somewhere. So I always we always try to get computer work done. Uh, first thing in the morning. And it also helps them transition because they don't have to talk to each other. Uh, My kids are not morning people. I am not a morning person. Um, So we're, you know, before Sean started back at the parent partnership, um, we were 10 o'clock people. (laughs) We we like 10 o'clock. That's that's about the time everyone kind of really, truly wakes up. And so they don't have to talk to each other or do anything. And, you know, we have breakfast. Sometimes I make a full breakfast. Sometimes I'm like, go get some cereal or a Nutrigrain bar and some milk um, and just kind of do it yourself. Because again, my kids are eight, 11, and 13. I can do yeah. that now. <laughs> um, it's not like when they were little, when I literally had to make every single meal, I can be like, um, yeah, just go toast a waffle or something. You'll be all right. Uh, <laughs> something to inspire to. <laughs> it's, it's so wonderful. Like, Honestly, I never thought I'd have this much processed food in my house, but I was like, you know what? Like they can cook it themselves and I don't have to worry about it. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so we do breakfast at some point, but like, for example, on Mondays, um, I actually teach a homeschool dance class at the dance studio where I work. Um, I teach a homeschool acro. Mm-hmm. And so we go to homeschool acro um, and then my daughter has a private lesson right after that. So my boys are at home getting the majority of their work done and I'll come home and like, I'll come home and like just double check everything, make sure they've gotten things done or see if they need any help on anything. But they're at home getting their work done while my daughter and I are at the dance studio doing homeschool acro and then her private lesson for her solo that she has this year. Um, And so, you know, we do that and then we come home. I pick up the kids that I babysit so I'll go pick up one from the middle school, come home, make sure everyone's settled. Then we'll go pick up the other one from the elementary school make sure he's all settled. And then we're, you know, doing snacks, getting the last little bits of homework done before it's off for the dan- off to the dance studio for the entire night. So like mm-hmm. some days are, are like that. And then other days, like Tuesdays are much calmer. We only have 45 minutes of dance on Tuesdays and that's it. So we are not there for six hours. We're there for 45 minutes. And so we get a lot more of like, um, we do some group lessons. So certain things like the grammar lessons, like even though my son already, like my oldest already knows a lot of it, he still revisits a lot of those grammar things. So we're going to do any group lessons, um, anything. I'm like, okay, we're going to watch horrible histories today, you know, or whatever. Like any of our group stuff is usually done on like Tuesdays and then sometimes on like Thursdays. So we do our group stuff through there. So my kids also take some online classes through a thing called Varsity Tutors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so someone will log on to Zoom and go to class while another person's working on a book report or we've got different things. And so like it's always a lot of moving parts at all times. <laughs> There's always someone doing something. But I also am very much like, okay, 
like, let's say you've been stuck on a math problem for a while or like that you're having trouble with something. Like I tell my kids, I'm like, go take a brain break, go play for a little bit. Like go, you know, read a book for fun, you know, something to break the monotony. I don't know about you, but for me, I have ADHD. And so for me, if I'm getting, if I'm getting like too frustrated with something, then I can't proceed any farther. And so I need that kind of break. And so I've allowed my kids to have that kind of break. Um, the weather's been awful, so there hasn't been much trampoline, but we have a treadmill. So they'll just walk on the treadmill and like watch a show on YouTube or something. And so I have a lot of those opportunities for kid them to decompress throughout the day. We don't have a timeline. And when I first started, we did. I was like, everything's going to be scheduled and we have this. I tried to teach my my kindergarten-year-old son before we did the parent partnership. I tried to teach my kindergarten-age son. I tried to teach him Latin. <laughs> like, I don't know what I thought I was doing, but <laughs> it was it did not turn out very well. So I got like a kid-friendly kid friendly Latin or whatever, but whatever, it didn't work. <laughs> but we had... I was trying to do 13 subjects with my five-year-old boy. And so we had everything scheduled out to the minute. And then I wondered why it didn't work. Hmm. Hmm. So I'm wondering, you know, you have a very busy schedule. Yeah. You're going all over the <laughs> yes. place. And you've got lots going on, lots to keep straight. And, you know, you, you said you, you don't like to do lots of planning. How do you make sure that you're keeping you know, on pace with overall big, you know, macro view of what you want to accomplish on, on these different curriculum to make sure that, you know, like you're making the the progress that you want to see month over month. What kind of system do you use or to, to help see that you're kind of still on track? So um, a lot of people in Washington mm-hmm. complain about the yearly testing and assessment requirement. And I love that. I love that requirement um, because I wouldn't do it if it wasn't required. Um, just because that's just the person I am. I'm like, if I don't have to do it, I'm not going to. <laughs> but having that yearly assessment kind of reassures me that I'm doing it right or that I'm doing something right. Maybe not it, but doing something right where my kids are learning and they're growing. My daughter is doing a writing class uh, online and through that varsity years I was talking about. And her teacher did mention that, you know, she was a lot more skilled than most kids her age in writing. And it's things like that where I'm like, okay, we're doing something right. So we're going through this grammar stuff. We're going through these different things. And I think the biggest thing is not to stress if it doesn't get done today, but that because you can still get it done tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And making progress is more important to me than staying on quote unquote track. Mm-hmm. So as long as they're continuing forward and as they're making progress, they're learning something every day, they're doing something every day you know, how fast or slow they're moving isn't as important to me. I don't know if that makes sense at all, but like, like today, like today I had an off day with the girls and mainly because it was a free day and, you know, I gave them something fun to do and everything. But like, you're right. Like I get caught into that kind of that spiral of, okay, we got to work. We got to work. We got to work. And I'm looking at the number of pages that are left and I'm counting the days and I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll be uh, second grade math by the end of this year. And, you know, like I'm always thinking in that way. And, you know, did that, you said at the beginning, you were really thinking oh, in yeah. that way. What, what was the kind of the, the change? How did you, in, in essence, tell me, tell me when I'm going to loosen up as a homeschool dad. <laughs> um, so I know some people never do. <laughs> and that's, I mean, it, it's, I'm not saying that you won't, um, yeah. you know, when you start schooling multiple kids and you realize that they're making progress, despite the fact that they didn't finish their second grade math workbook, yeah. or despite the fact that we kind of didn't do regular school at all for two weeks. So I guess we probably better double up on a couple things here and there, you know, or, you know what, let's take, we didn't quite finish this. So let's just, take it with us when we go to the campground. Like, you know, (laughs) I think once you realize that school doesn't have to be done in a certain timeline and it doesn't have to be done between the hours of 8 a.m. and 3 Mm p.m. And you can realize that, you know what, if my student's watching a documentary at nine o'clock at night before they go to bed, that's still learning. No, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So I think that that's my big thing with loosening up. Sorry. Yeah. No, I'm a big, um, Ariel will attest. I love checking things off. And so that's got a checklist problem. I got a checklist problem. Sometimes he'll check it off. It's not really done yet just because he wants to check it off. (laughs) But I know it's going to get done. So, (laughs) Um, 
one of the one of the things that we have a lot of younger um, listeners in our podcast kind of gears towards you know some early learners as that's kind of what we're focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of us have put together those perfect homeschool spaces and they're, you know, we watched all the YouTube videos, the moms with the great lighting and we, we envy <laughs> everything they've done. Um, what does your homeschool space look like? And is there anything that you would not be able to live without? Like for me, um, it's a, for me, it's crates. Everybody knows it's crates. I got yes. crates. <laughs> so um, my homeschool space is my whole house. Okay, we don't perfect. have a set space where they homeschool. Um, we do have an office that my husband and I share upstairs and mine is more, mine's a little more chaotic than his. I'm looking at it right now and uh, it's kind of sewing, crafting slash workspace okay. all together. And so mine's a little more chaotic. My husband has a desk where he does his, um, he does a YouTube, he's a YouTube content creator. Um, and so he does his stuff there and that's actually where I'm sitting right now. Cause my space is not ready for this. Um, and <laughs> I'm sitting in his office, his side of the office. And so sometimes if it's too chaotic downstairs, my oldest will just come up here and he can work up here. And my daughter has a desk in her bedroom that sometimes she uses, but, um, you know, if she's not being super productive, I have her come downstairs, um, just because bedrooms are fun and they've got a lot of you know, all their favorite things in them. Um, my youngest will work on the couch or at the kitchen table. Um, really they all work at the kitchen table at some point. Um, they work outside laying under the trampoline. Um, they work at the library or at the dance studio or wherever. Like we don't have a set homeschool space. So do you have like a, a, a crates or bags or cause you know, if you're going, yeah. if you're on the go to the dance studio and things like, how do yeah. you keep it all going? So they each have a backpack um, that they keep like their main supplies. So like their binder, you know, they keep their spiral notebooks, they keep, you know, supplies in. Um, and then they can, if they're going, we're going somewhere, they just grab whatever they're taking and they throw it in there. Uh, whether that's a laptop, they each have their own laptop, um, whether that's a laptop, whether that's a workbook, whether that's a book that they're reading, and they just kind of throw it in there and we go. Um, and so that's that's how we keep it portable. Um, they each do have a crate with their textbooks for each of their curriculums. Um, and then we have one crate that is shared textbooks and curriculums. So anything that more than one kid uses is in a separate crate because otherwise we have the, I can't find it argument when it's really just in, you know, someone else's crate. (laughs) (laughs) So the organizational side, like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not the most organized person in the world, but we have kind of made it work. Um, I think the thing that we couldn't live without though, is we have a shelf of board games and I have everything from educational board games to just like fun, like clue or sorry but we have like categories or we have apples to apples for working on like vocabulary definitions or we have um you know we have chess and checkers um my middle son is taking an online chess class right now um and so we have like i think like i said my game shelf like we've got the oregon trail card game we've got um greg tang math that game that yeah. game that is game impossible my son my 11 year old won it the first time we played and then he cried because it was well this is when he was like eight but he uh won and then he cried because we were it was over so he <laughs> didn't even cry because he lost it's hard <laughs> there's <laughs> five of us here. There's five of us and he, uh, he, um, so we have, I mean, we have Greg Tang math and so we will buy, um, oh, we have ticket to ride and, um, trekking the national parks and all those different things. And so like, we have a lot of educational board games. Uh, great States is a favorite game in our house. My kids love great States. Although my oldest one is starting to be like, uh, this might be a little young for me, but I'm like, dude, are you learning? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, you're fine. (laughs) so yeah our board game shelf is i think our thing that we can't live without and that's huge it's like takes up the entire corner of my kitchen and it's in my kitchen because we play board games at the kitchen table that's that's why it's in my kitchen but we know nothing about this yeah we 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 do a lot of game schooling oh good (laughs) so you guys are you guys are there you know and then the ones that maybe the kids shouldn't play are on the back of the shelf so 
So, so you've you've kind of gone from you know ele- early elementary, you're yes. in middle school. What things are? Is there something that's giving you pause that you're like a, like a challenge that you're seeing coming down the pipe? That you know, there's those things that I'm kind of thinking about in my head, like, ooh, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a tough moment. I'm gonna have to prepare for that. What what things do you see that you know might be causing you to take some extra planning time or some concern? Is there anything like that in your homeschool? So because I hoard curriculum, I have, (laughs) I know it's so bad though. It's so bad. I went to, I went to, um, homeschool potpourri to trade in some books. Um, and like, no, I mean, I had so much and they, they took most of it. And I was like, I was like, oh, you didn't take, they're like, no, we couldn't take everything. They're like, we took more than most people that we took more from you than we take from most people though. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I don't know if that makes me feel good because it was all these unused things that I'd like bought, and then like <laughs> I just didn't want to try to resell them. I was like, that's a waste of time. But um, so so because I hoard curriculum, I do tend to overload my kids a little bit, and I am trying to be better about that because I don't want them to feel stressed about school. Hmm. Um, because I'm like, oh, all the history curriculum. So I'm like, okay, so we were doing not grass history and story of the world one year. Like we were doing two history curriculums because I was like, well, this is world history and this is U.S. history. And I was like, okay, let's take a step back. Let's pick one. And then I scrapped both of those curriculums because I didn't like them. Um, But (laughs) we use, um, we use uh, the O Freedom curriculum now and we love that one a lot. Um, Anyway, sorry, (laughs) random, random thought there. I do tend to overload my kids and I'm worried that with my daughter being competitive dancer, that if I continue that path, she's going to get really stressed out about school. And I don't want her to be stressed out about school. Um, I don't want any of my kids. I was a very stressed out about school kid. I was very, very, um, you know, I would, if it wasn't perfect, I didn't want to do it. And I put a lot of pressure on myself growing up. And my parents also put a lot of pressure on me too. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, my parents were very much like, you need to get good grades. And that was like the end of it. It wasn't like, are you learning? It was like, are you getting good grades? And I think that for me, like, I don't want that to happen to my kids. And so I have to be very cautious about the pressure I put on them regarding things like, um, you know, if my, if one of my kids is doing a math test for some, for example, like um, we have in my house, we have an 80% mastery rule which means that they, when they do have a test or when they do have something like, I want them to get at least 80%, not because of the grade, but because that makes me feel like they, they understand it. It's showing me that they understand the the material, right? So what gives me pause is simply like, I don't want my kids to feel the pressure that I felt growing up. Understood. And that's really what it comes down to. So you've talked a little bit about, and I know we, we might be jumping tracks, but it's something that kind of interests me. Um, as somebody who used to play sports a lot, do you see the homeschooling as a fundamental thing for your daughter to be a competitive athlete? You know, is that, is that like part of the vision or is that just kind of a side thing? So yes and no. Uh, it's kind of a combination of both. I don't generally there. Um, she has two teammates. So she is one of three junior members in our, um, in our studios performing company. Um, most of the kids in the studio are 12 and uh, not in the studio, but in the company are 12 and up. She is one of three under 12s that was selected for the team. So her two teammates, her two teammates that she has her trio with are in public school and they're in public school full-time. They don't find it necessary to homeschool or do anything like that. On the flip side of that, my daughter is taking more classes. She does several private lessons a week. Um, and I'm, I know it sounds like we're not rich just so you know, it's just, I work there. I I work there. That's why we can afford to do that. I'm like, oh my gosh, these people are going to think that we're completely like loaded with money. We are not at all. (laughs) Um, But I ask because I I know it it is popular with some of the non-traditional sports, you know, basketball, football, you know, those have main pipelines through public public schools or private schools. And I know there's a lot of people who will move across country to go to a private school to go play football, um, that type of thing. But with some of these, you know, 
with some of the sports that are kind of outside of the the school system, we, we see a lot more homeschooling being needed in order to fulfill the, the requirements to excel in that sport. I don't think that there's requirements for it. Um, we, I, I don't think there's requirements. She does go more hours than her teammates, um, but that's because we can, because she homeschools. You know, she takes more classes. She takes a wider variety of classes that, so like, for example, she takes lyrical and hip hop, which her two teammates that are in that trio with her do not take. She has a couple private lessons every week because we are homeschooling. And so I can say, hey, let's meet at 10 a.m. at the studio on a Wednesday and have that work. So for us, the advantages that she has in competitive dance are because of homeschooling, but we wouldn't have to homeschool to have her continue to competitively dance, even at a higher level. Um, even not, I don't think any of our older students, yeah, none of the kids on the senior company are homeschooled. So it's not a requirement. It's just an advantage, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. I, that was the angle of my question was for her to be able to excel ahead of the norm and to be one of those, you know, top tier athletes, you know, homeschooling provides her that advantage in that respect. She, she loves uh, dance. Of, no, no, outside, no I'm, yeah. I'm just going to say she actually has yeah. to work. Um, it's not providing her an advantage, but she's a very hard worker, but dance doesn't come that naturally to her. Okay. So she honestly, right now at her age, she's not ahead of the game on her thing. She's actually maybe a slightly above average, but she has to work very hard for it. So that her, the extra hours aren't really giving her an advantage. They're just kind of keeping her on an even playing field. No, understood. I understand. I know there's always the, yeah, are they, you know, gifted at the sport and whatnot but i it's been something i've been interested in because you know i don't know if my older daughter will but i'm definitely seeing my younger daughter being interested in sports and i'm trying to understand how you know homeschooling can depending on what sport she wants to go into you know can help accelerate that because there are some sports that take up a lot of time you know like for example like i used to play golf um in high school and i played a little bit in college and that is not a sport where you go and practice for an hour that, you know, that's five hours of practice a day type of thing. And that I, it, it, it's not, it's almost like um we've seen actors as well. Uh, people who are in theater, young kids who want to kind of get into, you know, movies and, and, and cinema and uh, theater, you know, that is not, that is not conducive to a public education experience. That is something they're going to have to maybe do homeschooling. And we see a lot of famous actors who were homeschooled because they, yeah. you know, they've got to put in eight hours a day on the right. set. You, you can't, you can't go to public school if you do that. You know, yeah. so there, are, there are a lot of things and I'm just interested, you know, when I do see this to ask those questions, because I, I yeah, think there are people out there who, who m maybe are struggling with the idea that, you know, I have a student who really, really loves this thing, whatever it might be you know, competitive chess, you know, like, which yeah. is, you know, things like some odd, I, I don't want to say odd, but out of the norm type of activities that might take away, you know, from the public education, they may right. need homeschooling. Well, if you look back at my original thing where I was talking about how, when I, my son kind of got to middle school age, I was like, well, what do you want to do? Yeah. You know, we went back to that and that's going to be the same thing with her. You know, if she wants to go to, so there's um, a couple schools that are literally private schools, but it's like you're half the day at school and half the day at the dance academy kind of thing. Um, and if she wants to go farther than just get a well-rounded dance education and compete and, you know, do well, um, then that would be a choice that we would make when she was a little bit older. And I think that that's, you know, it, having your kids input on what they want to do, how far they want to take it, and then letting that kind of like dictate your path, um, I think is really, really important. I don't think that it's, education is a one-size-fits-all thing, mm -hmm. um, uh, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. And I think even with student-athletes, it's like, if your student wants to do this and this is required, then we need to do that thing to get them to this place. But if, you know, if my student, if my daughter is um, – happy, you know, at the same dance studio that we're at and, you know, it's four years down the line and she just wants to keep competing and keep training and doing it that way, then that's what we'll do too. Um, I don't really, I don't see a need to homeschool her for that, but 
that situation might change when she's a little bit older. Again, those are things that I would discuss with my child and let them have some autonomy in the decisions and let them have some ownership over the path of their life. I yeah, think that's, I think that's, that's well great. said. Well, this is this has just been really great. We it's we touched really, on a lot of great topics. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, I've got my mind spinning probably with extra questions I'll have later tonight. <laughs> oh no, I didn't ask for this. That's okay. We've, we've loved having you here. Um, before we go, uh, can you share with us something that you would want to leave our listeners with? Something that you've learned over the course of homeschooling, or you wish you knew when you started that you know you'd love for new homeschoolers to know? Um, some parting thoughts. Yeah. Um, so I would say that whatever curriculum you're using, whatever books you're reading about homeschool philosophy, um, don't let someone else's standards dictate the way that you choose to homeschool. And advice. yeah, I mean, I think that that's, you know, like I said, I was, you know, going back to our original conversation about the well-trained mind, amazing book, amazing philosophy didn't work for our family. And my failure on meeting those standards gave me so much anxiety for so long that I almost quit homeschooling. Wow. Like it's really important not to hold yourself to someone else's standards, but to find out what works best for you and your family. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!